scientists have now predicted the maximum human lifespan. And they believe that the oldest age we'll ever reach is 150 years of age. I know. Seems kind of kind of low. Researchers used extensive medical and fitness data from the UK and US volunteers. It included blood tests, daily steps taken, and information on their DNA fed into an AI system to calculate maximum lifespan. They found that the resilience and biological age play key roles in the lifespan, finding that the maximum a human can live naturally, naturally is the key word, from 120 to 150 years of age. That's pretty incredible, naturally. Do you want to live to be 150? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. It seems like that's going to be probably the usual, right? If if you're going between 120 and 150, there's going to be a lot of, a lot more of 110s, 105s, the 115s. So the 120s and the 150s are going to start being, you know, still out of the ordinary, but not like, holy cow. It's going to be, yeah, you know, grandpa's 110. Grandma's 112. And now, if it's not naturally, I mean, if you're talking about genetic manipulation, calorie restriction, drugs, you're going to extend life much farther than 150, right? And so, I know many researchers have said it's going to be possible to live to a thousand live to a thousand so if we regularly get people living to 150 now you're looking at 200 being the outside then you're looking at 250 and then we're going to start looking at the genetic manipulation and the uh other drugs that are going to extend life incredible incredible welcome you ready for that? You re- you ready for, yeah, we've got to go to a birthday party. Grandpa's turning 500. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome to Chewing the Fat. All right, so we have the story from the New York City prep school that uh, we talked a little bit about on Pat Unleashed today during my Chewing the Fat uh, portion of the show well this actually you know today was chewing the fat day on pat unleashed but this story came up during the show and i said hey don't throw that away we're going to talk about that on chewing the fat so i just want to bring it to your attention if you happen to miss uh there's a an elite private school in new york uh 47 000 a year to go to this school Ooh, that is an elite school uh parents apparently were a little upset about a class that was added to the curriculum without their knowledge. And it is a porn literacy class. The course for juniors at the Manhattan's uh, Columbia Grammar and Prep School introduced teens, I suppose I should say that properly, it's the Columbia Grammar and Preparatory School, 
I introduce teens to adult-themed topics such as kink and BDSM. Yeah, the school was founded back in 1764 and is the oldest non-sectarian independent school in New York City. A business insider named the institution as one of the nine most elite prep schools in New York City. President Donald Trump's son, Barron, attended the distinguished school. And now the school is being condemned for the new porn literacy class. Huh. Students between the ages of 16 and 17 attended a health and sexuality workshop which most believed would be just a, ah, just a sex ed class. Instead, the teens were educated on everything about porn. It was pornography literacy, an intersectional focus on mainstream porn. Featured a list of the most searched porn terms in 2019. <laughs> So the 120 boys and girls included lessons on how porn takes care of three big male vulnerabilities. Statistics on the orgasm gap showing straight women have far fewer of them with their partners than gay men or other women. And they had photos of partially nude women, some tied up, and they analyzed what porn and what is art. Huh. So one of the topics taught to the teen girls and boys in the course was the marketability of OnlyFans, which is a subscription app where adults sell. Well, look, it says here where adults sell nude and explicit images of videos of themselves. That's not the only thing that's on OnlyFans, but it is a huge part of OnlyFans. That's why you go there and subscribe to someone's only fans channel now the course was taught over zoom which apparently that's what tipped the parents off <laughs> so they were doing classes at home for their kids over zoom and the parents just happened to be walking by going what are they talking about <laughs> are they talking about pornography in just a regular classroom yeah uh okay so people are all wound up talking about this is just another way to indoctrinate the kids and it's a goal to disrupt the families and we're not sure why the school is making porn a priority as opposed to physics art literature or poetry i don't think they are they're just adding it to the curriculum that would be their argument they're not taking away from physics art and literature and or poetry but they are adding to it with the pornography literacy class and making people aware of how important it is that they know this and how important it is to know the marketability of an OnlyFans page. <laughs> I mean, holy cow. Nothing screams education like porn literacy class. Right? Am I right? is going on with the airlines i mean we've talked quite a bit about the struggles of the airlines uh and their uh struggle to stay alive 
during the during the pandemic for a while we were giving you the tsa turnstile numbers every day to let you know how the uh, how the struggle was uh, coming if you look at uh, the turnstile numbers for yesterday which was the 25th of may so those of you listening live today is the 26th of may 2021 so yesterday they had 1,470,840 travelers through the turnstiles uh, a year ago was only 264,843 i mean they were uh they were this was in, we were in the heat of the pandemic lockdown at that time and then in 2019 it was almost two and a half million two million four hundred and fifty three thousand six hundred and forty nine so we are not back to those levels yet but or a million off so it's you know it's climbing back uh no question i mean uh, a couple days ago they had 1,863,000 and in 2019 they had 2 million so it was pretty close they're pretty close they're getting back to it and we know that they are you know trying to be part of the new world we just saw where united airlines is raffling off free flights for a year to some vaccinated customers and that's special <laughs> and that's bad you're not going to be able to fly without being vaccinated that's that's going to happen very soon and and you know that's why a lot of people responded to my vaccine questions that they want to travel and they're afraid that they're not going to be able to travel unless they get the vaccine so okay i'll give you that but it really has brought to light now that we are back to traveling again what is going on with the airlines themselves and the travelers so we have the story where a flight attendant for southwest loses two teeth after a passenger assault i mean they're, they're flight attendants are being assaulted so right now between the 8th of april and may 15th they're saying that 477 passenger misconduct incidents on southwest airlines alone and they're saying this is an unprecedented uh number of incidents it's reached an intolerable level well and, and they're saying that it's passenger non-compliance events and that are becoming more aggressive in nature now i realize that you know you're being assaulted and losing two teeth is uh it's not uh it's not a good thing <laughs> you can quote me on that it is it is not a good thing but i will say that perhaps the flight attendants are becoming uh more uh more strict in the way that they deal with things that's all i'm not saying it's their fault it's not their fault i'm just saying that it's possible that they've become overzealous in their in their daily activities as a flight attendant uh, to some of the passengers i mean we had the story about the american airlines flight from tokyo to dallas and it was diverted to seattle with a level three lockdown because a passenger assaulted a flight attendant and banged on the flight deck door because the phone charger at her seat stopped working now 
Is something like that, would that have happened in the past? Maybe, because that person is whacked out of their mind, right? So there were 60 passengers on board, and, you know, this Japanese citizen was connecting through Dallas on her way to Cancun, Mexico. According to court documents, she was initially calm when she boarded the flight, kept to herself, watching her movie. But three or four hours into the flight, it's an 11-hour flight, as the plane was flying over the Pacific, she requested assistance from the flight attendant because the phone charger at her seat didn't appear to be working. Flight attendant attempted to help Suzuki, but apparently couldn't resolve the issue, leading to Suzuki shouting at the flight attendant, becoming increasingly hostile and belligerent toward crew members, and she demanded that flight attendants bring her items to resolve the issue. Okay, so I don't know what the flight attendants did to, you know, not resolve the issue, but according to this, they couldn't resolve the issue. So she ran down the aircraft aisle from her seat in economy towards the flight deck. How dare she? How dare she? That means she started to approach first class. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So another flight attendant attempted to stop her, but she pushed past her and stomped on her foot and continued going forward until she got to the flight deck, started banging on the door, demanding help to resolve the phone charging issue. That's when the captain put the aircraft into level three lockdown and informed the FAA of the threat to the aircraft. Suzuki was restrained with plastic flexicuffs. The flight was diverted to Seattle where she refused to deplane for 25 minutes. They finally drug her off the damn plane. And uh, here's here's the thing. Uh, she was rude and dismissive toward her. That's what she claimed the flight attendants were to her. And she admitted to banging on the door. She wanted her phone charger thing fixed. And she admitted, yeah, I punched and elbowed the flight attendant. But the crew spit on her and pushed her to the floor. And she didn't have, they didn't have any alcohol. And she doesn't take any medicine, so... She's accused of knowingly and intentionally interfering with flight crew members. Okay. So my point is, I know this is a crazy person. I get it. But some of this crazy stuff is going to happen no matter what time of the world we're in. But we are in a pandemic and we're trying to come out of the pandemic. And the airlines are still with their crazy rules. So... Then we get into mask flights and uh, BYO breaches. Bring your own booze. Uh, The FAA proposes $64,500 in fines against five unruly passengers. Wow. So, I mean, these airlines are now saying they have zero tolerance for airline passengers behaving badly. Well, I realize that. I realize that the airlines have zero tolerance, but they do still have, and maybe they don't anymore. Maybe there's no common sense, but they do have some common sense. So whoever is in charge of the flight attendants should be able to at least reel in some of the flight attendants that, you know, may have gone overboard. And don't look at me like that. Don't start with me. The Oh, I'm a flight attendant, and people are becoming unruly and bastards and mean to me. Uh, We're going to put an end to that right now. I'll tell you that. Okay. I know, I know, I know. 
and there's you know we've had occurrences uh, you know daily uh, maybe weekly but for sure i mean it's getting close and they've got new infractions including mass struggles and which has been a constant problem yeah i know and you know passengers are bringing their own alcohol on board and sharing alcohol from first class that can't happen that can i will not have that no i do not want to see someone from first class sharing what they have with those low lowlifes in the back of the plane okay that won't happen no we'll lock this thing down so sarah nelson the president of the association of flight attendants uh cwa international said in a statement that uh wear a mask is required period well thank you sarah we we really appreciate it that wasn't a that wasn't an actual audio cut from sarah it was just a quote wear a mask it's required period okay so flight attendants are charged with the safety health and security of everyone in the cabin our instructions to the traveling public keep everyone safe listen up and do your part the consequences are steep if you do not and the faa isn't playing around on this okay oh okay thank you sarah we appreciate it and we we know we, we know that you know you're charged with the safety health and security of everyone in the cabin and I know. I like the line from Sarah also. The freedom of the flight depends on all of us following the rules and treating others with respect. So the freedom of the flight depends on you just doing what you're told. You sit down and you shut your mouth. I don't want to hear anything from you. Okay? Put your mask on. And I don't even want you taking it down to drink anything now. And don't you even think about walking into that first class area or business class and seeing one of your friends and getting something to drink from them. Don't do it. Don't do it. So you've got 15000 against a passenger from a JetBlue flight from Miami to L.A. That passenger apparently visited a friend in first class and brought back the free items served in the front of the plane, including champagne, food, and a headset. <laughs> See, this is what I mean, okay? So the flight attendant then carried the items back to first class. Come on. The passenger then followed the flight attendant to first class section and allegedly assaulted him with her body and almost pushed him into the bathroom. The flight, they diverted this flight to Austin and had the passenger removed. I mean, come on. So the flight attendant really, and I know, I know, but the flight attendant really had just let this person, I don't know, have the stuff. Everything would have been fine, but don't you dare. Don't you dare take anything from first class. You took shampoo, champagne, food, and a headset? No. We're going to have you arrested. (laughs) Okay. Come on now. And I know you're not supposed to drink on board and bring your own 
alcohol. I get that. So they tell you, you know, don't drink. And if they catch you with, with zero tolerance, if you brought a little hotel bottle and put it in your drink, you're busted. You're gone. We'll shut you down. We're going to find you. I mean, we have one passenger being fined for $10,500. They allege that the passenger did not comply with instructions about face mask requirements and swore when he was approached several times by the flight attendant. How dare he? You speak with reverence. Reverence to those flight attendants, okay? I mean, I know, don't look at me like that. I know. This is just very frustrating. You, I know that we're all supposed to follow the rules and we're flying on the plane. I get it. And you know, the, there's no reason for you not to know the rules if you're flying on the plane. You know that they're going to, you have to wear your mask and a drink and you take your drink and you slide your mask back up over your face and you need to do what you're told and you just follow the rules i get it i get it but really we're gonna i go see a friend of mine in first class and i bring back a drink and a headset and you're just gonna take it from me and storm away and i'm supposed to just oh well okay i mean why is that a problem it's a problem because the flight attendant didn't like it I, I know, I know it's wrong. It's wrong. It's wrong. I know it's wrong. And, you know, in the words of (laughs) Sarah Nelson, president of the Association of Flight Attendants, CWA International, the freedom of the flight depends on all of us following the rules. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you. All right, let's go to the break room. I need something to drink desperately. Oh, man. It's a cold drink. I'm going to take another one. Ah, so good. So did you see it? Hey, we're in the break room. I was just wondering. Did you see the lunar eclipse and the super blood moon that occurred simultaneously? You, you, you didn't see it? Oh, come on. Uh, I know. I know. Well, it took place. Uh, you get to, you know, saw how the solar systems work. <laughs> it's the super blood moon. Now, it wasn't it wasn't visible everywhere. Uh, mostly people on the West Coast from Southern California through Washington State uh, saw the uh, saw the moon. Uh, people in Australia, East Asia, islands in the Pacific uh, got a glimpse of the super blood moon. So the lunar eclipse happened at about 1.47 a.m. Pacific time. And uh, so it's the first first one in a couple of years. So you didn't, you didn't see it? Ah, well, it just was the super blood moon. Don't worry about it. Oh, and uh, chewing the fat. Right again, we talked about how uh, the deal was almost done for Amazon to buy MGM. And yes, that deal was finalized and announced today. It's worth $8.45 billion. It really seems like a bargain for MGM. I'm, I really feel like that's a bargain. I, I, I mean, I, 
<laughs> sure, I know I don't have eight four five billion, but it just seems like a bargain in today's world. So it gives Amazon the library and uh, library of film and TV shows that I mean that's prime video content for a long time. It has four thousand films, seventeen thousand TV shows. Wow. Um, I don't know. It just seems like. billion is a bargain for Prime to get the MGM Studios. So we shall see. We shall see. You know, I don't know how I missed this, but you have until the 31st of May to apply for this job. Okay, Today, again, if you're listening live, is the 26th of May. 2021. So if you're listening to this after the 31st of May, 2021, too late. Now you can maybe reach out. Maybe they'll extend it. I don't know. But right now they're offering uh, applications through the 31st of May. They are offering $1,500 for a professional napper. We want you to be able to take a nap for a month. So they're hiring a team of five people to become nap reviewers and get paid to nap. So the nap reviewers will need to be prepared to start work right away as well as being committed to napping every day for 30 days. You must be able to sleep alone during the testing period to ensure that naps are undisturbed. All applicants must also have strong English writing skills in order to accurately carry out the reviews of their naps and follow any relevant instructions. You must be over 18, too. Uh, Of course, uh, the 30 days, over the course of those 30 days, you're going to be required to take part in a variety of experiments, testing out theories such as the best nap duration for feeling refreshed, Uh, the effects of napping on overall levels of fatigue, and the effects of napping on memory, motivation, and productivity. You're going to be required to take part in a video call before and after each experiment to ensure they understand their tasks fully and to complete a verbal questionnaire detailing their experiences and results. And in return, you're going to get a payment for $1,500 at the end of the test period. You know, as I'm reading this, I'm thinking $1,500 doesn't sound like that much money. (laughs) <laughs> i mean if you need the money and you want to be a professional napper and do that you go right ahead and it's a good gig and i'm all for you bless your heart but to have to go through all of that for a month for 30 days and only get 1500 bucks no my time is more important than that come on now because you're not napping at your leisure you're napping when they want you to nap. You're, they're telling you to nap for a certain amount of time. And then they're going to see how you feel. And they're going to have you nap with and without alarm clocks at different times of the day. And you're going to do that. That's going to be all part of their testing period. And their, uh, you know, memory, motivation, productivity tests afterward, tests before. And you only get 1500 bucks. Now I'm done with them. Now I'm done with them. I know. I know. I was all for it. I was all, I'm all for the, you know, professional napper, get paid to nap kind of thing. But they start looking at what they expect of for the <laughs> for the job. I, I don't want the job now. 
<laughs> you know, I'd keep your professional napper. That's too much work. That's too much work to nap. Just let me nap. <laughs> I mean, I'm all for napping. I'm a huge fan. Huge, huge fan. And I'm a huge fan of different lengths. Some days, you only need just even a, just even a couple of minutes. You just need to stop and close your eyes for just you know, a few minutes, even if it's just five minutes, 10 minutes, but you just need to stop, stop all noise and just close your eyes and let it be. You got to kind of reset. I get that. But if you start waking up with alarms and stuff, I, we've talked about it before. I hate having to wake up with an alarm. I just hate it. I just hate so much. I, 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 trained myself how to get up without an alarm so that I don't have to have the alarm. Now I still set the alarm now because I have got, I'm out of training. I don't have, uh, uh, I do have a, an exact time that I get up usually every day, but it doesn't really matter if I get up at that exact time. So I haven't, I've let go my, let go of my mental sharpness and preparedness but it uh it's it's you got to work on it you got to work on it and if you get overtired then that your body clock doesn't work right so when you're on a schedule though when i was working uh when i was doing mornings and i mean the show started at five a monday through friday so you're up at i was up at two every day and that's right 2 a.m and so enough and during that time my kids were little and it was so, I mean, I loved coming home in the early afternoon and catching a, a nap with the kids. Oh, man, they were little and they had to take their naps and you just lay down with them. It was so nice. But I used to, I trained myself to wake up at, you know, about 1.50 every morning so I didn't have to hear the alarm. I just despise hearing the alarm. But that's what they're going to make you do with your nap. So, you know, it's just it's too much work. <laughs> all right so why doesn't this happen to me so a volunteer at a thrift store in north carolina is uh walking by some dusty old broken frames and paintings and says you know hey that uh alan looks i like that one that's a that's pretty good turns out to be a salvador dolly what so i saw it was lined up on the floor and it was i said man that that's that looks pretty old it looks like it could be something special so she took the painting down to an art gallery and the uh the owner dealer appraiser at the art gallery looked at it for about a week and checked out the authenticity and it is uh, uh it's a salvador dolly uh, it's part of the official catalog of the graphic works of salvador dolly where uh he was examining it uh he did a whole deal in the 50s based on the divine comedy and they had him paint uh purgatory and what were the other they had him do tante's uh his birthday 700 list of dallas town celebrated his 700th birthday in 1965 so um then they had a big uproar because they didn't want a Spaniard on the project. So Dolly was dismissed, but he kept working on the project anyway. They didn't, they said, Ooh, even back then 
I mean, the Italians said, no, we don't want a Spaniard part of this project. So they said, go, but he kept working on the project. So he produced 100 watercolors to match the original poem. He uh, 100 different verses. And he produced 34 paintings of Inferno, 33 of Purgatory, and 33 of Paradise. And this particular one is uh, from Purgatory. And I love Salvador Dali. I mean, I've been to his museum multiple times. There's a Salvador Dali Museum in St. Petersburg, Florida. I love it. And I love his work. And I, I like how that happened to me. I mean, I actually, I hesitate to say this out loud because it's not mine, but it is mine, uh, Salvador Dali. No, I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you. But I love Salvador Dali. And I would, why, I just want to know why it doesn't happen to me. People find stuff like this. I used to shop at the thrift store. Maybe that's why, Jeff. Maybe you start going to the thrift stores again. I shopped at thrift stores for years, and I looked for stuff like that all the time. Always, you know, you just kind of look out of the corner of your eye at stuff. And, and I've bought, I've purchased paintings that still hang in my house from thrift stores. And, you know, I always check in the back. You always open those bad boys up because you never know. Could be a map to some treasure. Could be, you know, bearer bonds. Could be cash. Could be a note that's worth, you know, millions. And you got you to gotta catch all that. But, no, do I find the Salvador Dali at the thrift stop, at the thrift shop in North Carolina? No. No. And the thrift store is like, yeah, people just drop stuff off all the time. We don't know where it came from. We don't know where it came from. You know, people donate uh, art after cleaning out their beach cabins. And we try to we try to put some of those things together all for, you know, art for condos, cookie cutter stuff. But I mean, people drop stuff off in the middle of the night. You know, they just drop it off. So we have no idea who donated it. Oh, OK. Well, no problem then. And I'll tell you another thing. Uh, the problem with thrift stores in today's world is so many of them think that all of their stuff is Salvador Dali stuff. So their price through the roof really ticks me off. There is a Goodwill store not far from where I live in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, the, the Goodwill store I don't think is in Fort Worth. I think it's in another municipality. But the guy that runs that place thinks he has Salvador Dali's. And he breaks up the store, so he's got some stuff that he puts in cases and charges more money for that he thinks are, you know, the high-end uh, Salvador Dali. It's not Salvador Dali stuff, okay? It's just better stuff. So give us a fair price and put it on the shelf. Don't make us hawk through all of that stuff. Ticks me off, man. And some of the fine, the better clothes he puts up front in a separate section, charges a lot more money for it, really ticks me off. Man, what happened to the good old days? What happened to the good old days when you'd go into the thrift store and you'd have a pocket full of change and the old lady would feel sorry for you so they'd charge you less for the shirts because you're paying with coins out of your pocket. What happened to those days? That's what I want to know. What happened to those days? where ellen has uh she missed her montecito ranch so she's moving back in i know she's a little jealous she's got oprah living there she's got prince harry and megan living there she's got tyler perry living there she's got rob lowe living there remember we found out that rob lowe's house was the place where oprah shot the 
Harry and Meghan interview, just beautiful. But Ellen has decided that uh, she's going to move back to her Montecito, California ranch, or at least buy it again for her and Porta for $14.3 million. Now, she bought it back in 2017 for $7.2 million. And then she sold it in 2018 for $11 million. And now she's buying it back for $14.3 million. What is going on? What kind of money laundering scheme are we trying to pull out there in Montecito? But she's, you know, she's happy and she's all good now that she's, you know, going to stop her her daily show, and she's going to have six air, six acres, sixty seven hundred square feet, four bedrooms, six bathrooms. That's kind of small actually for a ranch place, but okay, I'll give it to you, whatever. And uh, it's located in the guarded community. Long driveway, ancient olive trees, several buildings, including a, oh, it's got a little 3,100 square foot single story hacienda built back in the 1850s and carefully preserved. Oh, good. Because we want to be able to have a exact replica of a hacienda <laughs> from 1850. Yeah, we're spending 14 million on that. Okay, it's an L-shaped structure known as the Adobe House, and it encircles a cobblestone courtyard and offers one bedroom and one bathroom. Well, it must be nice. Hey, we're gonna go see Ellen. Yeah, you're gonna stay in the hacienda. You know the dump that was built back in 1850. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. No problem. <laughs> now the other residents. Uh, known as the Monterey House, includes living room, kitchen, three bedrooms, four baths. It's got uh, outdoor entertainment terrace, fireplace, dining areas, adjacent formal library, and fitness room. And it also has horse stables. All good, because we don't want to be able to be out there in Montecito without horses, right? And we just sold the place in Beverly Hills for $45 million. We've got some extra cash. We might as well move back to Montecito and be, you know, in the neighborhood with O and Harry and Meg and Robbie and Tyler Perry. Tyler was in the Angelina Jolie movie, too. Uh, those Who Wish Me Dead. He was in that movie. We played a part in that. It was just like uh, one little appearance. I mean, we never heard from him again. Anyway, disappointing. Anyway, congratulations to Ellen for moving back into Montecito. I see where uh, you can get an estate in uh, an English estate. They're saying it's bigger than Central Park. Woo, big deal. Up for sale after 400 years. And this place looks uh, really nice. I mean, it's in uh, South England's most historic properties. Okay. Wow. It's in uh, UK's New Forest National Park. Comes on the market for more than $25 million. It's been owned by the same family since 1633. Why are they selling that? The entire compound spans more than 900 acres. And the village south of Salisbury in Wilshire includes the main house, a clock house, stables, outbuildings, four cottages, and a farmhouse. The new land consists of extensive lawns, walled garden, parkland, lake, farmland, and woodlands. Wow. I mean, this is really historic. It's an incredibly manageable house. Head of National Estates and Farms, 
Just listing the property, it's very, it's truly stunning, historic, and incredibly manageable. Is it? It's incredibly manageable because if you can buy it for $30 million, uh, you can manage it. It's not vast and is, in fact, a beautiful family home in a quite extraordinary position. One thing that people are searching for is privacy and tranquility, of which the estate has an abundance. Seven bedrooms, five reception rooms, three bathroom estate, available for purchase as a whole or in up to... Hey, they're breaking it up in eight lots! Are you freaking kidding me? Come on now. That does not seem why are why what's happening? Why are these people selling this? This cannot be. It looks beautiful. Look at these pictures of this joint. And the outside, oh man. Come on now. Something is not right. They're selling this property like that. It's been in the same family since 1633. What is happening? This needs to, we need an investigation. Something needs to be found. Why are they selling this? I'm serious. What's wrong? Well, how is this happening? 1633, it's been in the same family. Come on now. I mean, it's being touted as the legendary English Jacobean mansion. And it's, you know, that it's bigger than Central Park, so... So are a lot of places, but this should not. How? Why is the family selling this? They went broke somehow. What happened? Did they? Did they? Was it Jeffrey Epstein? Did they have investments with Epstein? What happened? How can this be happening? It looks gorgeous. Oh, I wish I could buy it. I would. I, this is unbelievable. That this place is. I mean, I, I don't have your money. I, I don't have your money. So there's not even clubbing. $25 million is like asking me for a hundred bucks today. All right. I don't have it, but I'm telling you, there's a problem with this. I don't understand why this, we are doing a chewing the fat investigation on this. That is happening. I'm going to find out what the heck, because I don't, I don't believe that this family is selling this place and they're cutting it up. I mean, they're not even they're not even mandating that you buy the whole thing. They're cutting it up into eight lots if you want it. And no, something is fishy. Something is fishy. And we're going to get to the bottom of it here on Chewing the Fat. I'll tell you that right now. So before we get out of here today, remember, reminder that half now, half of the U.S. adults are now fully vaccinated against the COVID-19. That's what, uh, against the old COVID-19. That's what CDC says. So half of U.S. adults are now fully vaccinated. More than 129 million people over 18 are now fully vaccinated against the virus. The CDC data also shows that 49.5% of Americans of all ages Roughly 164 million people have had at least one vaccine dose. So, you know, if you're you're vaccine hesitant, like me, uh, now may be a good time to think about, you know, getting the vaccine. Thank all of you for emailing me at chewingthefatattheblaze.com with your vaccine stories. I appreciate it. Um... Uh, you know, I'm still, I'm still hesitant. And every time they, every time I get close, it keeps pulling me back into the hesitancy file. But, you know, I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent opposed to it, but I just can't get over the hump of going to get it. I know, 
I know. No, look at me like that. I get it. So, also, we have a new drug called uh, narsoplimab. 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 Uh, It's showing promise as treatment for patients with severe COVID-19. Wow. It's uh, from a company uh, headquartered in Seattle. Its uh, scientific rationale certainly suggests that it is potentially one of the premier treatments for critically ill COVID patients. Wow. Of course, of course. Of course, right now it warrants further investigation and development. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. So they were making this drug for leukemia because uh, it was treating the side effect, particular type of leukemia, which uh, triggers this lectin pathway and causing symptoms similar to COVID-19. And in doing the research, it, like it worked. <laughs> so, okay, I'm all for it. It's worked in Italy, and uh, studies with larger numbers of patients are needed before narsoplimab uh, could be approved by the FDA. All right, good. Well, let's hop to it. We need it more than ever, right? But if they start pushing this kind of stuff, that means less people will get the vaccine. So they're going to put a pause on on making sure that we have uh, treatment for patients with severe COVID-19. Because they'll tell you, well, you won't get severe COVID-19 if you get the vaccine. All right. Thank you. And I told you it would happen. One last, I told you that it would happen. But now we're hearing that uh, the Navy is saying, yeah, uh, sailors who decline getting the vaccine, yeah, uh, you're not going to be able to resume normal life. Told you, man. No way the military lets you survive that. You're getting the vaccine. And you and the family is too. If you want to live on the bases, you want to be part of that. You want to get them. You're going to get the vaccine. That's we're not mandating it, but sure, if you want to go back to normal life and be a part of the Navy, well, then you're going to have to get the vaccine. Okay. So right now, they say uh, more than 230,000 fully immunized sailors and Marines. Uh, none of them have been hospitalized for COVID-19. That's pretty huge. That's, uh, that's, a big, that's a big deal. The science is pretty clear, according to Vice Admiral Phil Sawyer. Uh, vaccinations are key to best protecting our sailors. The more sailors that are vaccinated, the better for them, their families, the Navy, and the nation. So you can count on it. I don't know why they just don't say you have to get it. I'm uh, really really strange that uh, they're the military you do what you're told it's the military time to take they give you shots for everything else under the sun what's the big deal about the about the COVID-19 vaccine take it and you know what get your family and kids in here too because none of you none of you are going to do anything that uh, you think is normal without getting the vaccine okay what was that that's what i thought you didn't say a thing just stand right here for a moment 